Everyone who disagrees with me is a pro-Putin shill and probably a KGB agent. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show. everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's Friday. It's our favorite episode of the week where we go through the legacy media and we point out all of the fake news. And there's so much to get to on this show. We definitely want to cover a lot of the propaganda, the propaganda from both sides, from the pro-Russian side and the pro-Ukrainian side, are just running wild, running rampant on social media. So many legacy media journalists in Canada are falling for what is so blatantly, obviously, propaganda. Uh, joining me to help break it all down and make sense of it all is Harrison Faulkner. Harrison is a producer here at The Candace Malcolm Show, and he is a journalist at True North. Harrison, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here, Candace. Okay, so this is this is a big story, and I know I covered it in quite some depth yesterday on my show. Christia Freeland posts a picture on her own social media account with a Bandera movement scarf. That Bandera movement represents the Nazi movement in Ukraine. Bandera was a Nazi in Ukraine during the Second World War. He had his hand in the Holocaust. He had a hand in murdering upwards of 100,000 people, Poles and Jews, during the Holocaust, during the Second World War. Christia Freeland just sort of recklessly, in my opinion, um, is, is posing with this symbol, not only posing with it, but she took a picture with it and then she posted it on her own social media. And then when she realized what it was, she took it down, which is a tacit acknowledgement that she should not have been posting that picture in the first place. True North was the first one to cover it. I didn't think anyone in legacy media would follow suit. Um, I was wrong. But rather than rather than covering it, the National Post did cover it. iPolitics did cover it. iPolitics piece, by the way, was much more fair, much more neutral, uh, much less pro-Freeland than the National Post piece, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, National Post is supposed to be the conservative uh, news outlet in Canada. It's certainly not anymore. Uh, but the but the National Post piece featured four people who all defended Chrystia Freeland and who criticized True North. So 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 the minister is the one posing with this banner. And yet the people who are at fault, Harrison, are True North for promoting it were the ones supposedly pushing Rus Russian disinformation. What did you think of this story? Well, I mean, I think it's, as you said, it's disappointing that the National Post is carrying water for the minister when they were, they were quite fair and reasonable when the government was le leveling the attacks against the truckers who were being basically blamed by the government as standing with people who wave swastikas. That's what Trudeau famously said to Melissa Lanceman. Uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's clearly a shift in the way this is being covered. But Candace, after you published your article, it got picked up on social media. It became, it became you know, a serious talking point because Freeland has been in the news um, quite a bit over the past couple of weeks. And the post-millennial re uh, did an article about it. And as you said, the iPolitics wrote a very fair article about what was going on. But I want to read some of the social media response to uh, this story and your, your reporting on this. So Jack Posobiec, who many of you probably know, he has a huge following on Twitter, over one and a half million followers. He wrote, hi, Christian Freeland. Why did you delete this tweet of you holding a red and black banner? Which is a great question. As you said, the deleting of that of that photo is, is, as you said, this is an endorsement of a mistake that she shouldn't have been seen with this flag. And then, and then uh, he writes again, is this true, Christian Freeland? How many Nazi relatives do you have? Please respond in response to someone calling out her grandfather, Michael Chomiak, who was a, was involved in the, in, as a publisher of a Nazi newspaper in Poland. Um, and so Maxime Bernier, who also got in on this, he wrote, 
Will MPs vote unanimously to denounce the vile display of neo-Nazi symbols at that demonstration, as they did when an agitator showed up with a Nazi flag at the Freedom Convoy, or are they just a bunch of hypocrites? And I have to say, that is a, that is a fair reading of this situation. Uh, MPs came out and flatly condemned the Nazi flag at the Freedom Convoy protest. It's been very, very quiet about this, this incident, not to uh, compare the two necessarily, but the fact is, the silence is deafening on this issue. There should be uh, should be reasonable response from this. And Max Blumenthal, a an American journalist, I think is a is usually considered to be a left wing journalist. He wrote that only days ago, Christian Freeland was den- was denigrating Canadian truckers as Nazis and imposing emergency law to crush their protest movement. But when Russian forces entered her family's native Ukraine, she reached for the flag of the Nazi allied UPA. Um, she since deleted this image. So I think there is fair conversation to be had here. The hypocrisy from Freeland is quite obvious, and I think that it's clearly catching the ire of a lot of people who are paying close attention. Well, to me, it's just reckless. And and here's the thing that, that bothers me the most, Harrison, about this, is that Chrissy Freeland was the one being reckless. She was being callous. She was cozying up with a very sketchy group in Ukraine. We're in this weird scenario in our, in our civil discourse where you can't really say anything bad about the Ukrainians or you get criticized of being a Putin shill, part of the KGB. That was one of the lines from uh, Tristan Hopper, the National Post piece, that um, True North was basically sharing, unwittingly sharing KGB propaganda. And uh, what I've seen is like, you know, Chrystia Frillin is the most powerful woman in Canadian politics. She is an incredibly bright person. She understands the nuances and the politics of Ukraine, Russia, probably better than anybody in the Trudeau government, including the civil service and the diplomats who have spent time over there. She spent a lot of her career, a lot of her life between Moscow and Kiev. She understands this stuff really, really, really well. And yet she's not the one being held to account. True North is being held to account and other people for sharing this image. It, it, it's it's so tiresome. And also just the line of attack, right? It's like in a normal world, in a normal scenario, if you disagree with a journalistic outlet, if you d- disagree with something that a pundit is saying or a journalist is saying, you, you criticize them by saying, uh, this is unfair, this is biased, this is slanted, uh, you're, you're, you're pushing... Uh, you know, a conservative or a liberal worldview. Uh, suddenly, over the last two weeks, anytime you do anything that might shed some negative light on Ukraine, or in this case on Christia Freeland, they instantly go to, uh, you're a propagandist, you're sharing Russian propagandist, you're part of the KGB, you're a pro-Russian shell, which are things that we have been accused of here at True North over the last few days. It's so patently tiresome. It's so divisive. It's so untrue, Harrison. And Again, we're just letting the fog of war and the chaos and the propaganda kind of spill into our country. It's really unfortunate. Uh, We covered this on the show earlier this week. You did a great job um, helping me dig through some of the propaganda. And look, you know, we, we can share propaganda and say that this is propaganda without picking a side. And when it comes to what's going on in Russia, I think that it's almost unanimous that people are condemning Putin. We here at True North condemn Putin. I condemn Putin. I think that he is a tyrant. I think that he is a bully. Uh, he is acting in a way that is completely counter to international norms and human rights. If he's abuse, he's he's abusing human rights. He's, he's, he's probably committing war crimes, killing civilians, killing children. It's absolutely reprehensible. We can know it full stop. Okay. With that said, there's also a lot of troubling elements within Ukraine, within the Ukrainian government, and there's a lot of propaganda being pushed on social media. We went through on the show on Tuesday where we talked about uh, some of this propaganda. Uh, I want to go through it in a little more depth because I, I didn't go through them all in depth. But I will just say that, I, you know, a lot of these images were being shared here in Canada by 
blue check elites, by legacy media journalists, by bureaucrats, by uh, pundits and and public policy experts at think tanks. And they were making the rounds and, and no one was really calling it out, which is what it was, propaganda. There was this one um, image that I saw getting shared hundreds of thousands of times. They were being promoted by bots, but they were getting retweeted in the mainstream. Harrison we saw these soldiers that were supposedly saying goodbye to their wives and girlfriends. But it all looked, I, I mentioned at the time, like it looks like it's on a Hollywood set. It looks so fake. And yet people were sharing this as if it was real. You did some digging. And what did you find about this? Uh, these images? Yeah. So as you said, that video of the, of the Ukrainian soldiers hugging their girlfriends saying goodbye, uh, it looked like it was from a Hollywood set in a movie set because it actually was. So it was from a 2017 Ukrainian movie. Um, and people were kind of quick to pick up on that. The, the chatter on social media kind of got around to that, but not before uh, the video had been shared uh, around and seen hundreds of thousands of times, really painting a an image of courageous soldiers going to fight for their country um, and saying goodbye to their wives and girlfriends. That imagery um, kind of, that imagery sticks with people and it's powerful and, and people know that. And so um, we were able to figure out through our kind of quick little digging that this was straight from a movie um, and our footage of it and our all the footage has this sort of Ukrainian mu- music behind it. Uh, and that kind of lends, that, that makes it look also like it was from a movie. So it quickly turned out that that was fake. But like you said, Candace, not before it had been seen hundreds of thousands of times and, and it had really left an impact on uh, on the audiences on social media. And, and that's just like those photographs, Harrison, that were making the rounds of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky wearing uh, military garb. And everyone was saying, look at uh, this brave president. He is not sitting in some back office somewhere. He's on the front lines fighting. Uh, well, it turned out, as reported in, in the mainstream media in Europe and routers and other networks, um, that those pictures were staged. They were taken several months ago. Uh, they were not, in fact, of Zelensky fighting on the on the front lines. Uh, but again, that didn't uh, stop lots and lots of journalists from promoting it. There was that other one. This one was viewed over 10 million times. Harrison, I had so many people sending this to me. People were just horrified uh, for what they were calling a Russian tank driving over a car. Well, thanks to France 24, who really did a deep dive in investigative journalism, uh, geotagging, the kind of reporting that you expect from top tier uh, journalists um, to to, to expose, looking, looking at the make and the model of this tank, to expose that no, in fact, this was not a Russian tank. It was actually a Ukrainian tank. So everyone sharing this saying, look at how horrific the uh, look at the just horrific disregard for human life of these reckless Russians in Kiev at a time where the Russians weren't even in Kiev at that point. They were uh, uh, carrying out an air campaign, a bombing campaign. Um, but 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 nonetheless, this was not a Russian tank. This was a U- Ukrainian tank driving over a car. Um, and USA Today also did that fact check. Uh, another story making the rounds. You're, you were the one that brought this one to my attention. Harrison was the, the one, I guess one of the news days. Um, this was a big story that there were these martyrs over on Snake Island um, who, who apparently died um, fighting against Putin. Uh, well, it turned out that wasn't true. So why don't you walk us through that story? Yeah, so there was this great story uh, that had emerged about a day or so after the first after the invasion of Ukraine uh, of Ukrainian soldiers basically fighting to the death and defending their, this island uh, called Snake Island. Uh, and the footage that was first published was an aerial shot of the island, and then it was audio being overlaid of a conversation uh, happening between a Russian warship 
telling them that you need to surrender or we will we will basically open fire on this island. And then Ukrainian soldiers and uh, basically responding. And there was this famous line that was pushed by uh, pushed and said by uh, this Ukrainian soldier, which said, "Russian warship, go f yourself." Um, and that was sort of the last. Uh, the last communication in this audio piece, and the story went that they were essentially they were all killed defending this island. The president, uh, President Zelensky, wrote that these people, these soldiers, had died defending their defending their country, uh, and this sort of this this rallying cry, "Russian warship, go f yourself," that had become basically the rallying cry of a lot of people on social media. And you can't deny well, that it's is great. A, it's great propaganda, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't deny it, it is a great story. Um, however, a couple days later. It turned out, and I believe it was first uh, published by uh, the Russian side, that these soldiers were captured and taken prisoners of war. And then it was backed up by uh, the Ukrainian side saying that these these soldiers were in fact still alive. So after the story had made its way through social media, after it had really boosted the spirits of people watching from around the world and the Ukrainian people fighting, it turned out that they were actually still alive. Uh, it's just another example of, uh, of of a story being spun in a way to really ramp up the emotions. But as you said, this is a great piece of propaganda. It really kind of, it brought that that martyrdom and that imagery um, of, a, of a group of people really fighting to the end for their country. So it's it's powerful stuff, but just not not accurate. Not true. And thank, and thank God that they're still alive and, and hopefully they still are and they'll be returned safely to their families. You shouldn't wish that they were, they were dead, but, but what, what, a, what a great example of, of uh, a, a front line, uh, front page headline story uh, that turned out not to be true. There's so many though. Another example I found, I saw a lot of people sharing this one on social media of this little girl allegedly chasing after and punching a Russian soldier. Well, one, one minute of, of Googling later, uh, we learn that the BBC quickly debunked this one. It says a blurry video claimed to show Ukrainian girl confronting a Russian soldier has generated 12 million views on TikTok and nearly 1 million views on Twitter, but it actually shows a Palestinian girl aged 11 at the time confronting an Israeli soldier after her older brother was arrested in 2012. So again, just verify what you're sharing before you share it, because just because something looks good, maybe it's even too good to be true. And and as soon as I saw uh, this image of a, uh, a what we were told was a little Ukrainian girl chasing after a Russian soldier, I was incredibly skeptical. And I'm glad that I was because it turned out uh, not to be true. Well, Twitter has since uh, put a label out of context uh, every time that someone does share it. I usually oppose Twitter uh, getting involved with these kind of things in Facebook's, uh, you know, uh, manipulated media claims. Um, However, it's good to see at least that they are trying to do it fair. Uh, Let's talk about this last one. Tell us, uh, Harrison, about uh, Samuel Hyde, the, the, the supposed ghost of Ukraine that people were sharing this story. Well, this this one is probably the best example of propaganda or spin being taken uh, out of context and, and jokes being being believed to be true. Memes. Uh, a, a, a comedian making memes uh, turned it, was taken as fact by people. Yeah, I mean, that, that story uh, is basically this guy, Sam Hyde, is a YouTube personality. And his whole shtick, apparently, is to basically Photoshop himself and his face onto these these people that are committing actions of, of terror or or uh, you know try, it's just it's an ongoing meme like they he's made himself um, you know a uh, put himself on the news as being supposedly a school shooter when it was just a meme 
Um, he gets himself on TV as, as a person of interest when it's just all planted. Anyway, he jumped on this, photoshopped his face of, uh, onto a fighter pilot in a, in a, in a fighter jet, and a U.S. congressman, Adam Kinzinger, um, retweeted this picture and said, the ghost of Kiev has a name, Samuel Hyde, and he's, and he's, and, and he's basically destroying these Russian warships. So this congressman fell for this internet meme and it really, it's it's so obviously photoshopped like if you just look at the picture it's the worst it's the worst cropping uh possible on it and and he falls hook line and sinker for this but the ghost of kiev story actually was one of the biggest pieces of of propaganda that was circulating during this past week and the footage supposedly of the ghost of kiev in the sky shooting down russian uh, a russian aircraft um, the biggest piece of footage was actually taken from a flight simulator. It was taken from a video game. And you can, if, if you look at it, hear the audio, you can kind of see that. It looks a little weird. But it just goes to show you that video games, are, which are now becoming very realistic and the, the graphics are becoming very powerful, they're, they are now being used and shopped around as actual footage. So like you said, Candice, it's really important to just, I, I think the best way to approach this is to take your time. Uh, you don't need to be the first person to share a video. Um, you can let it, you can let it have that emotion that it does and you can let that sink in, but you don't want to be the person who's publishing video game footage as fact. And I just want to say something about all of these pieces of, of propaganda we've just gone through. These have all been fact checked and rebuked or uh, called out by mainstream outlets. So, you know, like you said, France 24, USA Today, BBC, these are mainstream outlets that are calling this stuff out. This is not just... Um, this is not just someone someone on the internet's opinion about these pieces of propaganda. They are being called out by mainstream outlets. But yeah, it's important to just take the take the time. You don't need to be the first person to share the story. If it turns out to be fake, you definitely don't want to be the first person to do that. Well, and also almost to like kind of glorify and gamify war. Like you're a you're a Republican congressman. This is Adam Kinzinger uh, talking about a war like it's a video game. Like look at this guy, he owned the Russians, look at him kill people. Like, it's like, what you know, war is a horrible, horrible thing that has that is, is become a reality for the poor people of Ukraine. Uh, they don't really need a bunch of Canadians and Americans, like, treating it like it's some kind of a, you know, a boxing match, cheering it on and sharing stuff that isn't even true. Like, I, I think that we all need to just keep, 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 keep control of ourselves like cooler heads prevail and not get caught up in the frenzy of like the march towards war we should all be incredibly cautious about just how horrific it is and and, and not be out here uh cheerleading for war and instead that's what we see from so many of these people i want to talk about this next one um a journalist was again lauded all over social media for standing up to boris johnson uh to, to me when i see this video and, and again people were sharing it all over you know again legacy media journalists and people saying like look at this brave woman uh first of all why is she questioning boris johnson it isn't boris johnson's fault that Putin marched and invaded in Ukraine. It isn't Boris Johnson um, who is making the call uh, as to whether or not you know the U.S. or NATO gets involved in this crisis. Uh, nor would nor should anybody be cheering uh, for that outcome. We should all be cheering for de-escalation and some kind of a off ramp, some kind of a uh, ceasefire here. But instead, we were told that this passionate journalist is out there making the case to Boris Johnson as to why we should declare a no-fly zone 
over Russia, which, uh, you know, if, if you want to properly comprehend what that would mean, it would mean NATO forces, i.e. American forces, shooting down Russian planes who are flying over Ukraine. That would turn a Ukrainian civil proxy war into a world war. So so, so what this woman is actually declaring and calling for is World War III. Um, uh, between R uh, Russian forces and American forces, two sides that have nuclear power. So she's calling for a potential escalation into a hot war, into a world war between two nuclear powers. Uh, no, that's not a good idea. No, that's not a good idea. Let's let's play that clip so you can see just what people were cheering for. Again, this isn't journalism. This is activism. This is a woman making a political statement using emotion, using um, kind of hysteria to try to push and march us all towards a world war. Uh a woman uh, from uh, my team is now in Bila Tserkva and she is there with two kids and uh, Russian military is over there and she is so much afraid that she will be shot. Kharkiv, the city where I was studying, was bombarded today, fully, the downtown square. So you're talking about the stoicism of Ukrainian people, but Ukrainian women and Ukrainian children are in deep fear because of bombs and missiles which are going from the sky. And Ukrainian people are desperately asking for the West to protect our sky. We are asking for the no-fly zone. We are saying response that it will trigger World War III. But what is the alternative, Mr. Prime Minister? To observe how our children are, instead of, mis instead of uh, planes, are protecting NATO from the missiles and bombs? What's the alternative for the no-fly zone? We have planes here, we have air defense system in Poland, in Romania. NATO has this air defense. At least this air defense could shield the Western Ukraine so that these children with women could come to the border. It's impossible now to cross the border. There are 30 kilometers of lines. Imagine crossing the border with a baby or with two children. I'm so glad that Samantha Power is coming here to the border from the Polish side. Let her come to the border from the Ukrainian side and see that. Britain guaranteed our security under Budapest memorandum. So you're coming to Poland. You're not coming to Kiev, Prime Minister. You're not coming to Lviv because you are afraid. Because NATO is not willing to defend. Because NATO is afraid of the World War III. But it is already started. And these are Ukrainian children who are there taking the hit. You're talking about more sanctions, Prime Minister. But Roman Abramovich is not sanctioned. He's in London. His children are not in the bombardments. His children are there in London. Putin's children are in Netherlands, in Germany, in mansions. Where are all these mansions seized? I don't see that. I see that my family members, that my team members are saying that we are crying. We don't have where to run. This is what is happening, Prime Minister. So, Harrison, you, you did a little bit of digging uh, into this uh, quote-unquote journalist that everyone was telling us was so brave. Uh, so, so, so tell us a little bit more about this so-called journalist. Well, so this so-called journalist, Daria Kaleniuk, is in fact not a journalist at all. She is an activist, and all you have to do to verify that is to go look at her Twitter bio. She is actually the executive director of the Ukrainian Anti-Corruption Action Center. So she's not a journalist and self-admittedly. Or, and admittedly, she is not a journalist. It took very, it was very quick. Uh, once, this, once this clip went viral, a lot of people were skeptical of this. And it appeared as though some of them had recognized this woman's face as well. Because this woman, Daria Kaleniuk, 
even though going as far as though she's not a journalist, she's actually a World Economic Forum global young leader, just like Justin Trudeau, just like oh, Christian Freeland, and other uh, and other cabinet ministers in this country. So she's a part of the World Economic Forum. She's a global young leader, not a journalist. It's very important to clarify that. On top of that. Koleniuk also appeared as a Joe Biden supporter in an ABC News story, and she appeared in a pro-Biden campaign ad. And we have the clips to show that. Why don't we take a look quickly at her at her cameo in this Biden ad? Donald Trump was caught red-handed, and I'm going to give you the facts. He was being protested in the streets. We will not allow him, actually, to maintain the Soviet system of prosecution, which intimidates people. All right, so as you can see, Candace, this woman is an activist, and her her demand to Boris Johnson um, was basically to escalate this conflict to another level uh, and to, like you said, push uh, push these countries into full into a full scale war. Um, it's very dangerous and very unfortunate, but ABC News, Reuters, and CNN all labeled this woman as a Ukrainian journalist. So what else can be said other than that? It's just, uh, it's just crazy. Well, they're all beating the drums of war. And again, we should just be very skeptical of, of all these kind of things. Even when I first saw that video, Harrison, I, I thought to myself, that's not how a journalist, uh, you know, aside from, we, we do have a couple of activist journalists like that here in Canada that parade around like journalists, they're members of the parliamentary press gallery, but they don't ask questions. They, they try to interrogate, they try to steal the spotlight. Uh, they, they act like political activists. And most people can see through that. Most people don't take them seriously. Um, but here we have a, a woman, again, crying for war um, and she's held up as, as some, some kind of hero. It, it is totally wrong. Well, let's let's shift gears a little bit here, Harrison, because I would like to talk about a couple of Canadian stories that get uh, honorary mention here on Fake News Friday. Uh, the first one comes from the CBC, which now publishes opinion pieces. I don't understand why the state broadcaster who has, you know, if, if anything, if you're being completely generous of the CBC, it's that their their role is to inform Canadians of the news and to, um, you know, help uh, counteract the, 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 the news space that's dominated uh, by America. American news. Um, however, they've got into opinion pieces, which is sort of just weird to have like almost like a state sponsored opinion. And of course, the opinions are always far left and deranged and sort of like anti-conservative, anti-West, anti-Canada, you name it, uh, woke derangement. Um, here we had a, the CBC publishing an opinion article by a nurse in Saskatchewan who claims that she can no longer work in the province of Saskatchewan because, because it is led by a government that is anti-science. There's just too much freedom in Saskatchewan for this nurse to handle. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this piece, Harrison? Yeah, so this is one of those CBC first-person stories that basically tell the story of a far left Canadian who's trying to basically push a specific narrative. But I, so I want to read some of this because really it's, it becomes really clear at the very top that this is just about taking shots at Premier Mo and taking shots at Saskatchewan for being too, uh, too pro-freedom. So this is what, this is what the article reads. Throughout the Delta wave, it became clear to me the Saskatchewan government wasn't respecting the work my colleagues and I had done through the, throughout the pandemic. At every turn, they seemed to be downplaying the severity of the problem, despite rising hospitalizations. Experts were begging to be heard and were ignored. Therapies and treatments were being canceled and delayed. 
Premier Scott Moe's letter to support the trucker rallies in late January was insulting to me. I've never heard him rave about healthcare workers like that. He also made the false claim that vaccination doesn't reduce transmission and pledged to remove proof of vaccine requirements. Uh, like every base, but basically like every province except for BC. So I, I guess this nurse is 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 kind of uh, basically you know whittling down her her potential locations to move to down to BC because Quebec, Ontario. Uh, Alberta, all these provinces that had imposed vaccine systems, proof of vaccine systems, they're all dropping them. So I'm not exactly sure where she's going with this, but it's obvious that it was just a a political narrative uh, trying to be pushed by the broadcaster. And then just to quickly wrap up, she writes, we feel spurned by a government whose vision of healthcare seems seems bent on capturing the style of failures we've seen in America. The same America in which the president uh, proclaim the end of the virus and are dropping vaccine, uh, dropping mask mandates and vaccine mandates. So I'm not really sure what she wants. Does she want to be in a state of COVID all the time? Is that is that what this nurse really wants? It doesn't seem that would be the best situation for a nurse. But nonetheless, uh, she finishes off by saying, the future undoubtedly holds many crises for Saskatchewan. I firmly, I firmly believe that facing them with a government that is anti-science will drive away the professionals needed to solve them. So there we go, anti-science, Candace. Um, peddling that same line. But as we know, science seems to be changing on either side of the border. There's a different science in America. There's a different science in, in Great Britain uh, than there is here. So a little, a little not surprising, to be honest, from the CBC. Well, it's like, you know, this woman couldn't hold back uh, and her inner tyrant is letting out, right? It's like the world is finally moving away from COVID. We're moving away from the draconian rules that are known. They're not based on science. Like just accusing the side of being uh, anti-science because you don't agree with their public policy is really reckless, really, really dim-witted and not a good way to analyze public policy. Uh, But she's just so firmly uh, attached to the idea of lockdowns and and limitations um, that she's she's, lashing out and now leaving Saskatchewan. Uh, because she doesn't like the premier. Uh, well, well, good luck. Good luck with that, because you're going to learn uh, if you go to Ontario or Quebec, uh, also led by more conservative governments. Uh, they, everyone's dropping this COVID regime. We're going to learn to live with this thing, uh, whether you like it or not. If you just can't deal with it, uh, then yeah, I guess it's probably better that you're not working in healthcare in the province of Saskatchewan anymore. There's one one other piece in the CBC, Harrison, that I want to talk about because this might be my favorite piece that I have ever seen on the CBC, and, and that's saying something because um, there have been some truly ridiculous and absurd ones uh, recently, but the piece that they published last weekend, uh, the trucks have left Ottawa, but the phantom honking lingers for many downtown. <laughs> According to the CBC, they've created a new uh, word for our lexicon, phantom honking, everybody. That is just when you can't get the truckers out of your head. They're living rent-free in your head. You can't get them to leave. Uh, so let me just read a little bit from this piece. Literally, there was trucks right underneath me, said Kevin, literally. I, 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 this is a pet peeve when people use the word literally when they mean figuratively, because I don't think this Kevin guy was literally sitting on top of a truck. Um, but here he says, nonetheless, that the, the trucks were literally right underneath me. Um, but who said Kevin, who did not want to provide his name to the CBC uh, out of fear of reprisal. So, so we're supposed to already right off the bat um, feel sorry for Kevin, not just because he has these truckers living in his head rent free, um, but also somehow that his life would be in danger if the truckers knew his last name, uh, which, which is pretty silly. Uh, he goes on to say, 
uh, it, it's one thing for me, but I've got animals. I've got three cats and two dogs. So yeah, it was torture. Look, I, I, I'm not trying to downplay uh, how, how tough it probably would have been with all those truckers and all that noise. And yes, especially with animals, it probably was pretty tough. Uh, equating it with torture, though, I mean, this is the kind of thing that, that, that the CBC uses as hyperbole, uh, ramping things up, making it seem like these truckers were um, insurrectionists, that they were terrorists, that this was all um, insurrection, or sorry, that this was all, what, um, treason. Uh, that they were going to try to overthrow the government. Now they're using really, really ramped up terms saying that it was torture, that, that, that people who lived in order, Ottawa were literally uh, the victims of what war crimes. I mean, uh, this is just so over the top and ridiculous. It goes on to say... Uh, the trucks have since been removed, with police pushing the majority of protesters outside the downtown core over the family day-long weekend. Even still, some downtown residents say they're haunted by the phantom honking, which sounds like blaring horns, but there's no sounds that are actually there. Uh, so, so again, you know, the, the CBC has found uh, a, a couple people who are living in their own paranoid psychosis, um, and they're turning it into a news story. Uh, another person they've interviewed here named Sean Flynn, he says... When you hear that noise, it's like, oh, are they back? Is there a road convoy coming right back? Um, says the Sean guy who lives three kilometers from downtown but could still hear the horns inside the home during his protest, and apparently he still hears them inside his own head. You know, last week we heard a story about how people are constantly looking over their shoulder, uh, paranoid that the truckers are going to come back. Uh, now the CBC has found uh, two people who, who say that the honking is going on in their own heads, I guess three people, because the uh, author of the CBC piece uh, must feel it too, to come up with such a ridiculous term here, phantom honking. Uh, what do you think about this piece, Harrison? This is this really is the greatest article ever written by the CBC. I fully believe that. Uh, this is this is this is far better than any Babylon Bee headline. Also, like I really I do think that even they would basically say, or they they would basically be trying to figure out how they can come up with all these quotes because it's uh, it's incredible. It's incredible stuff, and it got it got absolutely mocked and destroyed all over social media. Obviously, and, and I, I just. There really isn't much much other, other to say other than this is just probably the best CBC article ever written. I'm I'm sure that the uh, the journalists over there are very proud of, of this of this work and this journalism. And you know, one thing I think about though, Candace, is like the CBC has a whole level of of people. I'm sure that there are you know writers at the at the CBC that are very radical. Clearly enough enough to write an article like this. But I genuinely think that uh, you know the people at the top of the CBC aren't aren't totally, uh, totally crazy. They haven't totally lost their minds. So, so this is something that they must have, they must have signed off on. Some editor must have basically said, yeah, you know what, we're going to, we're going to run with this story because it, it really is in the public interest. The, the, the ghost, the, the ghost honking, the phantom honking. Um, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible stuff. Um, I, I just want to see this, this level of, of comedy from our set, from our satire news. Uh, if they could get, <laughs> if they could get to this level, that'd be great. It's so true. So sometimes I think the CBC is kind of just trolling and they put out really stupid headlines like this just to get page clicks because just like everyone else, you know, I'm sure that they want to hit uh, certain targets and they want to get the page clicks. So they put out pieces like, you know, the 
uh, that story that we saw a couple months ago about words that we should banish from the English language. Um, now they put out phantom honking. I, I, I think it's just all very sophisticated uh, way for to trick us into clicking on their stupid website, giving them more hits so that they can go to the Trudeau government and be like, look at how influential we have. Uh, our phantom honking piece got millions of views, uh, you know, w- w- without acknowledging the fact that everyone reading it uh, is mocking them and no one takes the CBC seriously anymore. Yeah, they don't get enough. They don't get enough money from the government, so they got to they got to run up their page click revenues and uh, and make sure they get as many pages as possible. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Harrison, for joining us uh, here on Fake News Friday. It's always fun to have you on the show. Yeah, it was great to be on. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me, Candice. All right, it's Fake News Friday. I'm Candice Malcolm, and this is the Candice Malcolm Show.